Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads each week as Robert Shea and a celebrity guest host talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to another episode of FedHeads. I'm Robert Shea. And I'm Doug Crisitello. Welcome back, Doug, to episode 203, about a month after tax day. Did you file your taxes on time? I did, just barely. I got them in. I, you know, I was humming Taxman by the Beatles throughout, uh, you know, an entire weekend of George Harrison. So I did enjoy that part of it. Oh, well, I hope you'll spare us and our listeners that. We're joined by Los Angeles County Assessor Jeff Prang. Jeff, thanks for being with the FedHeads. Glad to be with you. Thank you for the invitation. So you were telling us how surprised you were that we were having you on, but you're exactly the kind of guest we hope to feature here at FedHeads. When you're trying to really uh, capture the attention and add some excitement into your programming, it's the county property tax assessor that you want to have on your uh, on your show. So tell us, tell us what it is that you do. So um, I am the county assessor. In other states, they call have it call it different names. Some of them they call it chief appraiser property valuation administrator. And our job is to value all taxable property for the purposes of generating property taxes. Although one thing almost everybody in my industry um, probably gets exhausted from saying is that while we are responsible for determining the value of the property, we don't collect taxes. I'm not the tax guy. I'm not the tax assessor. Uh, To the best of my knowledge, outside of Texas, there is no place in the United States where they even have that title of tax assessor. We don't do taxes. We do property valuation. Primary function of our uh, employees are real estate and business property appraisers. Sounds a little defensive, Doug, there. <laughs> I guess it's just, uh, I guess it is because uh, we spend a, a certain percentage of my day telling people that I don't collect taxes. And and as soon as they tell them that, they say, well, I got this tax bill that doesn't seem right. And uh, Let me ask you a question about scale. You're the assessor, one of the largest jurisdictions in the world. And tell me, just give us a sense of the size of the county, the kinds of properties, the scale of properties you're assessing. So LA County is the most populous um, county in the United States with nearly 11 million residents, uh, about 4,500 square miles. There's 88 independent cities within LA County. There's about two and a half million real property parcels and, and business assessments that we are responsible for annually. Last year, the total assessed value of all that property in the county was uh, just shy of $1.8 trillion. And property taxes are 1% in California, so that generates about $18 billion in property taxes for local government. But we assess everything from what we call the high desert in the northern part of the county, which is uh, unpopulated uh, desert, to downtown LA, to the uh, uh, the ports of LA and, and, and Long Beach, to all the uh, cities and business districts in between. Do you do a full value assessment? Has that become the norm? You're assessing oh. the full value of the property rather than some uh, some alternative value measure of a, a, of an assessment. In California, the standard is market value. We have okay. to determine what the current market value is. That's the standard for uh, assessment. Yeah. And then uh, uh, you know, California operates different than a lot of other states. We have a uh, a law called Proposition 13 that was adopted about 40 years ago. And so when you purchase your property, we assess it at market value. And then that market value more or less becomes frozen. And that becomes your assessed value. So 
Uh, the longer you own the property, the bigger the difference between your assessed value and your market value. Property taxes will never increase more than uh, 2% annually, which is the CPI that Prop 13 allows. And how did you find yourself becoming the Los Angeles County Assessor? I got the most votes. <laughs> That's a very direct way. <laughs> My very first job in government many years ago was working as a staff assistant for the LA County Assessor. And I've had uh, some, uh, I've worked in government most of my uh, my adult life, and I've always had, a based on that early association with the department, I um, maintained a connection to the department over the years. I actually came back to work as a, um, a special assistant for government affairs and community outreach back in 2012. And within weeks after I was um, hired, my predecessor ended up uh, being investigated by the DA and ended up being put in jail for uh, an allegations of corruption. So I found myself uh, in a department which had been shaken by scandal, but I was uh, able to be a part of the reform team that helped set the department back on a straight and narrow. And when the indicted assessor's term was up, looked at the field of candidates who were potentially thinking of running and was not a, not a very strong field. Uh, I, I also concurrently, what I call my day job, I was also serving as a city council member in the city of West Hollywood, so I had some political experience. I had experience in the office. I thought that uh, having been part of the cleanup team, I should continue that by running for assessor back in 2014. And after a long, uh, hard uh, primary and general election, I was uh, successful. Great. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm on the verge of just uh, 45 days away running for my third term. Wow. Congrats. So in the spirit of no taxation without explanation, is transparency and citizen engagement a part of what you do in, in your job? It is something that I do in both categories. We're dealing with property values which have a direct impact on how much taxes that people are going to pay. Now, we are supposed to be indifferent to the revenue component of property taxation. Our job is to assign a fair and accurate value to all property, whether that value goes up or down. And it's extremely important that the public have confidence that the department is operating with efficiency, that they're being fair and equitable, and that the department operates with the highest level of integrity. So to accomplish those goals, you have to be transparent. You have to tell people what you're doing. You gotta make information available to them. And I've done that in my office. We've, uh, we've actually, uh, we actually even gave up revenue streams of selling a lot of our data in deference to putting that data on the county's open data website to make it free and available for members of the public. So people need to know what we do and how we do it so that they'll feel confident that whatever the value assigned their property is uh, represents fair number and that the taxes they pay based on that are what they're supposed to be paying. I think it's, on the, on the other side, the public outreach, I think that's extremely important. This is a very obscure office and I joked about that toward the beginning that people think I'm the tax collector, even though I'm not. And the only way you can change people's um, understanding of who you are is by engaging with them. So we have a very aggressive uh, public affairs uh, program where we probably have two or three speeches to the community, to chambers of commerce, to associations of realtors, to rotary clubs, every week explaining to them how to navigate the complex world of property assessment administration. Um, we have electronic communications such as newsletters, communicate with other local officials to share information with them, uh, to pass along to their constituents. We have a very aggressive program to ensure that people know how to access us to get answers and really understand what their uh, what opportunities and responsibilities um, lie with property ownership in LA County. That's terrific. And, and what he, only obscure 
prior to being unfed heads. That's right. Right That's now, right. this is the beginning of, of an explosion. We <laughs> yeah. apologize in advance for our listeners bothering you. We are bracing for the uh, the, the, the open floodgates of calls and emails and. Uh, <laughs> and public communications that will happen as a result of this. Right. Uh, so you mentioned confidence. Is there a metric you look to to assess the extent to which people have confidence in your assessments? I guess it depends on how many people are yelling at us. Um, <laughs> the, um, there's a lot of different ways that I think all assessors and people in this business, our entire job lends itself to metrics. We know how long it takes to do an appraisal and how many hours need to be applied to that. Um, but I, th- I think some of the things we might look at are the challenges to uh, you know, the assessment appeals, the number of people who call and say, hey, I think you got this value wrong, those who file an appeal to go before the assessment appeals board. Also, we look at the number of uh, emails and phone calls we receive just with public inquiries. One thing I can say is that uh, by by making more information available online, by making uh, by developing a very robust, informative uh a website and a property uh, owners portal that we've actually noted somewhat of a leveling off of emails and phone calls because a lot of the information that, that you need is much easier to get online in a do-it-yourself fashion than it was when I first took over this job um, seven years ago. And I think that's probably, probably one of the most important metrics that uh, it used to be you would need to call people, somebody in the office, to get information about your property. Now virtually everything that is publicly available is now on our website. So what are your near-term priorities going forward? I mean, what's at the top of your list? Unlike legislative offices, you know, a, a city council member, a congress member, a member of the state legislature, they tend to be involved in a very broad range of public policy issues. They're like a, an inch deep, but a mile wide. Right. For elected administrators, like assessors, it's very different. We're, we have a much more narrow scope of work and we go much, much deeper. So there's a few programs that, that they last oftentimes for many years. The most important thing that we're dealing with in my office right now is the uh, upgrade of our technology platform. Uh, we, um, when I was elected in 2014, I inherited this, uh, I know a lot of folks in private business would find this funny, but I inherited this 1970s, 1980s era, uh, mainframe, green screen, DOS-based, uh, technology platform, which is which are still common in large government agencies. Um, think of the uh, the Veterans Administration, why they have so much inefficiency. They're still largely locked into one of these ancient uh, mainframe systems. So we decided that we needed to upgrade our system, and we are um, in the final phase of a five-phase program to move from a mainframe into a cloud-based system. And I'm hoping that we'll be done with that in the next 12 to uh, 18 months. Um, one of the things that, but along with that, that we've already accomplished is uh, I mentioned earlier that we have two and a half million parcels that we value annually. Um, when I was first elected, each one of those was still associated with a paper file. Mm-hmm. So we have digitized all those files. Over 100 million um, documents are now uh, available online, and any of our employees from any uh, any computer can access those documents, whereas before you had to uh, drive to the physical location where those individual property files were, were kept. Another big thing that we're focused on is, uh, and I also re- referenced this before, is assessment appeals. Obviously, if you get if you think you're uh, you're paying too much in taxes, what you're really saying is that the assessed value of the property is too high because of COVID. The number of appeals, with a lot of particularly uh, commercial appeals, they thought their property was going to be negatively impacted due to the recession. And so we now have 35,000 appeals that need to be heard. And it's important that we resolve these quickly because just like with the IRS, 
if you dispute your property taxes, you have to pay it first and then and then dispute it. And in my view, if you if we're sitting on your money, uh, you should be entitled to a fair and expedient hearing. So we're trying to find ways to uh, expedite the uh, the processing of those cases, so we can reconcile those those disputes and. Uh, if people are entitled to uh, refunds to get their money back to them. And then another big issue that uh, we just initiated last fall that I'm looking to expand is a workforce development program. Um, We're working with local community colleges to move some of the training that we uh, currently provide in-house for our appraisers to move that to the community colleges. And here's why that's important. So I've got about 700 to 750 appraisers in my office and I lose about 25 to 35 a year due to attrition. And so I need to, to, just to keep up, I need to hire a class of 25 to 35 every single year. And most years we do, but there are some times when I can't. I did go for three years without being able to hire a class of appraisers, which puts more work on the on the uh, the remaining appraisers and losing 30 a year is, uh, puts even more strain on the organization. And when we hire them, we have to take some of our most veteran appraisers out of production to help them train these trainees. Um, so we came up with the concept, if we move that training into the community colleges, which doesn't require me to take my most veteran employees off production to do that training, um, the community colleges can actually train more people than we need so they can deliver me a surplus of folks who have that basic appraisal training um, enough to get licensed by the, uh, by the state to do government appraisals. Uh, they could create a pipeline for me to uh, ensure those positions are filled. And then from the community perspective, as you know, community colleges often appeal to uh, uh, to people where a job in government would be really transformative in terms of their lives. You know, people of color, uh, uh, people from uh, less privileged communities who rely on community colleges as their first step in uh, higher education. We're providing job good jobs to uh, to people who can really use them at the same time satisfying a uh, an operational uh, need for my office. That's an ambitious set of priorities. Are those the big challenges you face or are there others that keep you up at night? There's uh, one that we're dealing with right now. It's kind of a short-term one. We should be done with it in the next 12 to 24 months. But in California, in 2020, um, voters enacted a new law which um, allows senior citizens or those who are over 55 and disabled uh, to make their property tax base portable. So if you bought your home in 1990 for $100,000 and you're paying $1,000 in taxes and you're over 55, you can now transfer to another home and take that $1,000 tax base with you. And you can do it three times. And although the way that they paid for that reduction in taxes is they reduced uh, family inheritance benefits. So uh, under the previous law, your children could inherit your home without without a reassessment. Uh, that's been changed, and there will probably be a tax increase in, in many cases. They wrote a law that's very complex. It made, made major changes to the property tax administrative system in California. It was adopted in November 2020, but the law only gave us two months to figure out how to uh, work it and to put it into effect. And there was no way we were going to be able to do that because it required major technological changes amongst the 58 county assessors. It required the State Board of Equalization, which provides um, standardization of of regulations and policies for all assessors. Um, We needed time to implement uh, implement the measure. Uh, Additionally, the measure was written so poorly that it was really unenforceable. There were ambiguities, inconsistencies, other deficiencies in the law. 
um, not uncommon with uh, ballot measures, but usually what happens is they will adopt legislation uh, to clarify all those uh, those concerns. But they, uh, the legislature took um, about nine months to pass legislation. Obviously, as I mentioned, the bill went into effect uh, two months after it was adopted. The legislation didn't get adopted to the fall. So seniors who are transferring their base year are actually getting um, getting tax bills for the higher value property that they're buying, where they otherwise would have been excluded from having to pay that uh, because we didn't know how to process them without the legislation. So kind of a long, a long story, but the short term is we, we've got a huge backlog of these cases that we need to process, that we need to reconcile the taxes that uh, um, that people uh, paid that need to be re- returned and catch up on this backlog while continuing to do our normal production work. Sounds like a nightmare. Uh, traditional disconnect a, between policymakers and the people who have to implement them. Yeah, they, they oftentimes think they come up with a good idea and they think it's just a light switch that needs to be turned on to uh, to make those changes. But if you've ever worked in any type of bureaucracy, whether it be corporate or or government, you know there are workflow issues, there's personnel issues, there's squeezing new work into uh, an already uh, established uh, workflow pattern. It's a lot of different things need to be done. Requires statewide coordination amongst 58 assessors. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they, the legislature did not anticipate how hard it would be to implement this measure. Well, we're out of time, and I know you got to go kiss babies. <laughs> um, but we, but we really enjoyed this. Thanks for making your job accessible to our audience and really walking us through what the priorities and challenges of your work are. And we wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me be with you today. And. Uh, Hope to see you again. Yeah, keep up the great work. I mean, I know it's not the most exciting part of government, but you're really doing some stuff that's on the bleeding edge. It's really neat what you have going on there. You're you're wrong, though. This is the most exciting part of government. That's why I'm here. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes.